We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Good morning, morning, Scott. Scott. Year end tax planning. We're there. I know. It's true. I was just saying, you know, December 21st Mm -hmm. is the shortest day of the year. So the good news is more daylight hours after we're almost there. We're past the hump. It seems like it's dark at 430. (laughs) I know we have tinted windows in our office, but you're right. You're right. Suddenly a drop. So when you start planning uh, tax for next year, it starts getting darker. Is that what you're saying? Like what's what's the correlation (laughs) there? Or or the opposite, the light Now it's getting brighter. All the way up until April when you file your returns. But we're not there yet. It's still getting darker right now. It's still getting darker for another week. You know, tax planning is obviously a year-round activity for Don and I, and it's you know part of I think what we what we call a sort of holistic financial planning, where you really want to sort of synchronize all aspects of your personal life, your business life, if that's the situation, whether you're retired or still working. There's a lot to consider, and uh, just in case you weren't busy enough right now yeah. with everything else going on, we're going to throw some things at you that you got to get done before December 27th. Mm-hmm. So you've got till after Christmas to do this. So you can you can procrastinate. <laughs> Here's something for you to do on Boxing Day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, we sort of went through some of the key lists and strategies that we would think about for year end planning. And there's probably 11 areas and I don't know how many we'll get through, but uh, we'll sort of work through the main ones, I think on the personal front, because there's also a bunch of year end tax planning things if you're a business owner as well. And um, so one of the, one of the main things that people obviously think about with with tax planning is RRSPs. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty straightforward. And I, um, I was actually reviewing our tax library and uh, just on the section on RRSPs and RIFs, there are 179 pages. Wow. So I'm going to condense that down to three minutes. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> and well, that's uh, a quick read. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, um, it's funny, I was watching some of the impeachment things and they were talking yeah. about the, uh, the judges, or sorry, the uh, professors of law yep. who were reading all of the inquiry mm-hmm. information. And yeah. like that's a lot of information it too. Is. So. Thank goodness they can filter it down to the most important things. Um, so when you're thinking about uh, RSP contributions, I think one of the things obviously is, do you have unused RSP contribution room? And mm-hmm. every year that you work, you create new RSP contribution room for the next tax year. And your notice of assessment tells you that you have, you may have room that you haven't, so you haven't maximized it every year. Right. And um, so... Tax planning around those contributions often comes also to, like, do I have the money to do it, mm-hmm. right? Can I make that extra contribution? And a lot of times um, there may be areas we can look at. You might be able to do an in-kind contribution. And what I mean by that is uh, I'll run across situations where people have stock programs at work. So they might actually have investments that are there, but they can access those. They may not want to sell the investments, mm-hmm. but they could transfer them into their RRSP mm-hmm. and create an RRSP contribution. Right. Now, the the only issues around that are that um, if there's a capital gain on those investments, you will pay tax on that capital gain. Mm-hmm. So you have to weigh that against the deduction. And um, and also, too, when deducting uh, money or in deducting RSP contributions, we always want to be conscious of the tax bracket that you're in. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so- 
you know, if you're making over 77,000, you're going to be getting a good bang for your buck for every RSP contribution that you're making, every dollar. Uh, and then once you fall sort of below 47,000, mm-hmm. you're not getting as much of a bang for your buck. And right. in fact, maybe uh, a TFSA might be a better strategy in the mm-hmm. long run, depending on what we would forecast for your future income as well. You also may want to consider a loan, an RSP loan. And uh, in that case, you may want to, you don't need to do it before the end of the year. But um There are situations where it makes sense to do this before the end of the year, particularly, let's say you have a spousal RRSP. Mm -hmm. So if you've been contributing for future income splitting strategies, if you've been contributing to a spousal RRSP, doing that before the year end will reduce the amount of time where we call what we call attribution rules apply if you had to make a future withdrawal. Mm -hmm. And this strategy has often been around um, if somebody was planning to take some time off work. It could either be um, a a leave for for health reasons. It could be a leave just for... Uh, yeah, mental, mental health, I need a break, mm-hmm. or it could be uh, around family planning. So you're ex- planning to an extend a, a parental leave if you're having uh, children. <clears throat> so in, in order to do that, you might, say, put 10000 into an RRSP right now before the end of the year, and that could be a to a spousal plan. And then within 24 months, you could take that money back out mm-hmm. and not have to worry about attribution rules. In other words, it's not going to be taxed in the Spouse's hand, it'll be taxed in the person who has that money in their right. account. So it's a good way to sort of future income split <clears throat> and uh, take advantage of a, of a time when you might be in a lower tax bracket. And the other one is, that, let's say you're turning 71 and you might have RSP room. So that's again an, op- an opportunity where you could put, to, if you're over 71 too, you could put money into a spousal RSP because that individual is, if they're still under 71, mm-hmm. they can have that. Uh, they can still have an RRSP. So lots of issues around RSPs, but, um, you know, again, just get some advice on what to do and what makes sense before the end of the year. The next area might be retirement. And uh, a lot of times people have year-end retirement. I was just talking to some uh, a friend over the weekend mm-hmm. who uh, who's retiring, just coming up this week. And yeah. uh, so, if that's the plan, you you might have some pension issues that you need to look at and consider before the year end. Uh, you also might be receiving a what's called a severance <clears throat> or um, a retiring allowance, and these are basically amounts to recognize either long service. It could be a payment of sick leave as well. And if you own your own business you, and you are winding down your business, you can actually pay yourself uh, a severance as well, a retiring allowance. So these are going to be uh, amounts that are over and above your normal RRSP limit and your normal RRSP contributions, but they are subject to, they only uh, came into effect um, up until 1996. Mm-hmm. So if you've been working at the same place for at least 24 years, and you are now retiring, then you may be eligible to make an additional contribution of $2,000 for every year of service over and above 24. So if you did 30 years, mm-hmm. you have six years that you could contribute an extra 2,000. There's 12,000 mm-hmm. of a retiring mm-hmm. allowance that would be eligible to go into an RRSP mm-hmm. over and above your normal limit. Right. Uh, and again, that would make sense to do that before the end of the year as well. Uh, maybe you're turning, maybe you've turned 60 or 65 this year. Uh, have you applied for Canada pension plan or old age security? Does that make sense? Mm. And, uh, 
Um, I have a client who's turning 70 yeah. this year, and there we, we had planned years ago to defer taking her Canada Pension Plan. Uh, she was receiving a survivor benefit from Canada Pension Plan, and so we left her own personal uh, uh, allowance to age 70, uh, which was the maximum. So she's just implying for that right now. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense as well. And also those ones that just turned 65, there's always that $2,000 pension credit. Right. And there's so many that just all they need to do is move that money from a, an RSP to a RIF and collect a $2,000 payment before the year's end, and that will qualify for that credit, mm-hmm. which if your income's under 44000 would be tax-free. And I, I would say a lot of people are just putting that off to their 70, thinking I'll just defer, 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 but they're missing out on that credit, and that credit's per spouse. Mm-hmm. So if you're both over 65, that's a $4,000 potentially tax-free income from your RSP. Hmm. And that's right. So that's, you know, typically between age 65 and 71, where people have left their RSPs, Mm -hmm. you know, they can still qualify for that $2,000 pension Mm -hmm. credit. And, um, and again, coming back to somebody turning 71 this year, if you don't have a spouse that's under 71, you can consider making an over contribution to your RRSP. Now, I'm just going to explain how that works. If you have earned income, like a lot, if you were still working and you had employment income, uh, you're going to be eligible to put money into an RRSP next year. Mm-hmm. But if you're 71 this year, you can no longer own an RRSP next right, year. Right. So in December, let's say for example, you had uh, you knew that you were going to have twenty thousand dollars of available RRSP room next year based on your earnings this year. You could put that twenty thousand dollars into your RRSP in the month of December. You it would be considered an over contribution if you've been maximizing all the way along, and so you would attract a one percent penalty or two hundred dollar penalty. Mm-hmm. for that one month. But then as soon as January 1st hits and your 20,000 room is now available, you no longer have a penalty. You're no right. longer an over-contribution room. Now, the nice thing with that is that you now have a $20,000 RSP contribution. It's like a banked contribution and you can draw on that at any point in the future. You don't have to deduct it this year. You might save it for next year. You might save it for a year after. Or maybe one year where you have to take out an extra amount out of your RS or your RIF mm-hmm. that would say put you into an OAS clawback situation. Well, that would be a year then that you could dip into that banked contribution right. and, and eliminate any OAS clawback <clears throat> as well. And investment planning is another key area. And a lot of times people know they're going to have some capital gains this year on their investments. And uh, so triggering capital losses might be a strategy to reduce that. And when you trigger a capital loss for this year, it has to be done. Your transaction has to be completed by December 27th for Mm -hmm. it to count this year. And you can carry those losses back three years, but also apply them to, again, current year capital gains as well. And so also take a look at your notice of assessment because sometimes people will have capital losses that were from previous years or previous investment transactions, and mm-hmm. they've simply been tracked or carried forward for you. And the notice of assessment will tell you if you've got a, a capital loss from previous years as well. On the other hand, you might want to defer it until next year. So instead of maybe triggering a capital gain, if you had to sell something, here we are in December, why not wait until January? Because then you defer having to pay tax on that capital gain until the next tax year as well. And a lot of people, you know, you have these capital losses think, well, I haven't sold anything, so when can I ever claim those capital losses? And as Andy said, you can always go backwards up to three years, but a lot of people don't realize on your T3 or T5 slips, there's a capital gain dividend that is paid on your mutual funds. And that is not done every year. 
depends on how active the mutual fund manager is managing those equity portfolios. But every so often, last year was a good example, 2018, there's a lot of selling that went on and that triggered a lot of capital gains within the fund, which then is put onto your T3. It's called a capital gain dividend. So again, it's kind of hidden. You may you didn't actually go and do the actual transaction yourself. It's done be, on your behalf by the manager. But I mean, you may as well you know, make sure you claim it because it's, it is useful money. And uh, an, an interesting twist that you can look at, and this is sort of one of those one-off kind of scenarios, but if you've got an investment that dropped in value, you could sell that investment and transfer that to a trust for a minor child. And then what happens is you actually get the capital loss to report on your own return and carry it back or go forward. And now that future gain on that investment, which is going to be taxed in the hands of a minor child, is end up going to be taxed at a very low or, or zero mm-hmm. rate of tax. So lots of interesting or unique situations where people can take advantage of to minimize their investment planning and income tax on their investment gains. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. Quick break here. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're talking about year-end tax plan. All right. We're moving into education savings plans. So mm-hmm. one of the things is that, uh, first one, if you're if your child turned 15 or if you've got a grandchild that turned 15 this year, doesn't mm-hmm. matter any time this year. This is the, and they, if you really need to make sure, take a look at their RESP to see if they're eligible to continue to earn grants. And mm-hmm. the grants are basically that 20% gift from the government yeah. that goes into that plan. And so the key thing if a, for a 15-year-old, if you've never had an RESP before, mm-hmm. they need to put in $2,000 right now mm-hmm. before the end of the year, and they'll get 20% on that right away. But that also makes them eligible to put and get grant money next year, age 16, and the year after, year age 17. So you can sort of get three years, kick at this one, and get the money, maximize the grants that you can for that period of time. So you could do 5,000 this year, 5,000 next year, and then 5,000 the year after, Mm -hmm. 15,000 total. And 20% grant is another three grand into the pot for Mm -hmm. education. Not bad. Now, if you don't have the money to do it, uh, it might make sense to borrow. Yes, absolutely. And um, the only other way you could qualify is if in the last, if in four years, let's say they had an education savings plan Mm -hmm. and you haven't been able to sort of put a lot into it. If you've put $100 in over four different years, then they can also qualify for future grants as well. Mm-hmm. So either $2,000 if they've never had one, get it done before the end of the year, mm-hmm. or have they contributed $100 in one year four times, four different right, years, right. and then they could qualify as well. Right. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize it's, it's the, the limit. They, um, it went from 2000 to 2500 mm-hmm. but you can always go with a current year, which is 2500 and you can go back and get 2500 for a year you've missed. And right. that's how they've come, you know, Andy just right. mentioned 5000 per year. And honestly, I've had a lot of clients recently, we've been talking about that, and even if it's grandkids, whatever, this is a great opportunity. You really don't need to worry about how good the investment is. It's simply to get that 20% grant. Mm -hmm. And I have had clients borrow for this, 
And, you know, if you can borrow at 4% or 5%, you're going to get 20% from the government yeah. three years running. Yeah. You know, people are doing anything for trying to get a scholarship of some sort. Yeah. And this is just a great example of, uh, you know, the government helping for the education. Right. For sure. And uh, let's move on to TFSAs, tax-free savings accounts. And, uh, you know, there, there's no real restriction in terms of when you can contribute like an RRSP where it has to be done mm-hmm. by, you know, the uh, March 1st, generally. Um, tax-free savings accounts, you can contribute at any time. But you do have to be careful if you're over that you don't over contribute. Yeah. And um, in order to get the most flexibility, I would look the one strategy that you would, should consider before the year end is if you are planning to make a withdrawal. And that withdrawal, if you were thinking, you know what, next year we're going to be doing a renovation. Next year we're going to be buying a car. Next year we were taking the trip, uh, uh, you know, a trip of a lifetime and the family, etc. So we we're going to be taking a big chunk out of our TFSA. You might want to consider doing it right now. And the reason for that is that soon as the new year starts, that RRS, that, sorry, that TFSA withdrawal room is reinstituted. You get it back as of January 1st. Mm-hmm. So if you take out 10 grand that right now, you'll be able to put that 10 grand back anytime next year. Hmm. So, you know, so there are scenarios where we've seen this, where it makes sense to do it right now. And this is also true if you were considering about changing your TFSA. So let's say right now you've got it sitting in a, in a bank investment where it's just a savings account and it's hmm. not earning very much. Yeah. And so you decided I'm going to change it to a different institution and I'm going to try and get a better long-term return for this investment. If you take it out now, you can avoid any uh, transfer fees on that account, and then you can January 1st put it into the new investment that you were planning to make. So because that room comes right back to you. The limit is 63,500, and uh, so again, you know, that'll be another 6,000 next year. It'll bring it up to 69,500. So, uh, you know, for many people, that's something that they want to think about too, as of January 1st. The other thing is considering is gifting money to an adult child because they can put money into their own TFSA and there's no tax implications to doing Mm -hmm. that. There's no attribution rules back to you. Again, so, you know, a parent or grandparent can gift money to an 18 year old or older they can put money that money into their own TFSA with no tax implications and obviously take it out at any point down the road without mm. any tax implications yeah. as well. What a great way to multiply your tax-free savings account room. You know, you have yourself, yourself, your spouse, and let's say you had three kids and they're all over 18. Well, now you've added that. So you got five people at $6,000 a person. That's $30,000 that if you had a windfall and you could put that in, mm-hmm. that's now growing tax-free. So it's a great example of trying to totally maximize the TFSA room. Mm-hmm. I had uh, I have a client who uh, every year makes a gift to their to her two child two adult children of uh, $5,000 each at this time of year to uh, put into their TFSA. Now I know the limit's 6,000, so she she leaves a little she leaves a little she leaves a little wiggle room for them to actually put some of their own skin in the game as right. well. But uh, you know, she realized as we think about our retirement and going into retirement, there's money that we're going to spend. Uh, just to be able to do what we want to do. But there's money that we might spend and there's money that we will never spend. Mm -hmm. So this is part of her, I'm never going to spend this money pot. So Mm. it made sense. What a great way to sort of help build up. And it's, again, there's no tax implications to the adult kids to do that. Um, Charitable gift planning. 
This is a great time of year to consider uh, tax planning with your charitable donations. And uh, so I'd be obviously donating to any registered charity before the end of the year will generate a tax credit a charitable receipt for yourself. And you can also make donations in kind. And that's a powerful sort of double strategy where you can donate shares or units of a mutual fund. And the benefit of that is that you don't have to pay tax on the capital gain. Yeah. So you have an investment that's gone up in value. Instead of cashing it in, paying the tax on the capital gain and then donating cash, you would donate the $10,000 of the units of that investment to the charity. In turn, they will cash in or sell the investment to create the cash they need to Mm -hmm. do their operations. And they'll still give you a $10,000 tax receipt, but the beauty is now you don't have to pay tax on the capital gain. And um, so, you know, I've I've got a whole bunch of other things. We can sort of get into thinking about business owners, what to do. One thing is that uh, if your marital status has changed, so if you were uh, d- separated or divorced this year, you do have to tell CRA. And it's funny, most people wouldn't think about that yeah. as part of a, 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 a rationale. You're going to be fi- you're going to file your tax return as either separated or divorced, depending on whether you finalize it or not. But if you separated from your spouse this year, you have 90 days after the point of separation to inform CRA that you're separated. Really? And if you've divorced, you have to tell them within 30 days mm. right away. So if you finalized it. So just a little, you know, tidbit. Yeah. Make sure you let them know. Um, there's no implications, but they just, they're going to be wary then of looking at how your income is going to be split going forward. Right. That's the idea. Well, you know, on going through this, it's kind of interesting. I, I just was listening to the radio on the way in, and Iceland is now looking at, uh, looking at their, their priorities as their well-being versus their gross national product. Hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> they want to see, you know, other than simply how much money per person people are making, they want to see, you know, happiness. Do they have Wi-Fi? you know, healthcare, all the things. In Iceland, you know, it got me thinking a little bit of, you know, Canadians too. They're somewhat <laughs> socialistic. Easy to say, they're you in know. Iceland. Yeah, yeah, depending <laughs> on the time of year, yep. Uh, there's a close, fairly close connection with Iceland. I know they got some sister city there in uh, Manitoba somewhere. But, uh, you know, we spent our 30th anniversary there, so I learned a little bit about Iceland. But um, Canadians are richer than they think. You know, a lot of people, you know, look at Canadians being just nice and assume the average person in Canada is far worse off than the average person in the U.S. Um, from a financial standpoint, you know, the U.S. is more wealthier. wealthier. They have bigger opportunities, um, better prospect for their kids and mm-hmm. all, such as this. And you almost think, why would we just not have all this brain drain? Why wouldn't people just graduate from Canada, go to the States, yeah. make more money and be happier? turns out it doesn't quite work that way. Um, average Canadian household in the U.S. is actually $10,000 per person ahead. So that's significant, mm-hmm. but it's so skewed. turns out that uh, the average includes the people like Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, mm. Warren Buffett, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. You know, those people are making so much money. Like they actually, I know somebody down there actually said, once you get over a billion, like they might just want to start spinning that off to other people. Mm. They, they definitely need some year-end tax planning. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and so the top third <clears throat> of them are way ahead of the top third of Canadians in terms of household. But funny enough, when you look at the bottom third, Canada actually does extremely well. The bottom two thirds. Mm. Yeah. Um, because we have things such as the free health care. 
This is, you know, just a very good Christmassy kind yeah. of discussion here. Um, we don't go bankrupt simply to get operations. Mm. You know, we don't, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to sell your house and, and go into poverty because we had a big healthcare expense. That doesn't even enter our mind. So, there, you know, there is that rich people in the U.S. is a, a great place to be. And it's a, they're far richer. And the further up the ladder, their top 20% is even bigger than our top 20. The top 10 yeah. is even way more wealthier than our top 10. But in their top 1%, everybody has been saying, we want to be part of Canada's top 1%. Turns out it's actually been in decline since 2005 um, in terms of how much there is in relation to the rest of Canada. So this whole squeeze of the middle class, so to speak, has happened for literally 14 years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there are, you know, there's 607 billionaires in the US versus 45 in Canada. Hmm. Okay, 45 billionaires. So... Usually it's 10 times, right? You, yeah. You would yeah. Say, so yeah. Should, you know, on average, yeah, we mm -hmm. should have around 60. We should have yeah, six, uh, 60. So it's, uh, you know, we have a- Got some work to do on the billionaire. Yeah, we got to yeah. work on our billionaire. Jeez. I got to work harder. <laughs> <laughs> or save harder. I got to apply myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I need to save harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And start way start, earlier. You got to exactly. cut that <laughs> cut of coffee out every day. Uh, start a lot <laughs> earlier if you're going to get to that billionaire club. That's it. But- uh, what happens actually in the States is there's a far higher percentage of the poor and vulnerable. Yeah, and, yeah. and it turns out that this unequal society, and this is what Iceland is actually discussing, is creating less happy people, people rather, weaker well-being. Um, and it's all done in this recent book called The Inner Level. Based on just focusing on GDP. Just looking at right. GDP. Mm -hmm. If people simply just look at how much money they have, rather looking at the bigger picture, um, society's happier. Mm. And lesser crime rate. So it turns out that life expectancy is goes up if there's a more equal. Mm -hmm. Well, sure enough, Canada's got a higher life expectancy in the U.S., okay? Better health in general. Mm -hmm. The crime rate is lower, which, again, uh, is certainly the case in Canada versus the U.S. Suicides are down. So we don't. what happens is we have this floor, this, this uh, reassuring floor that is minimum wage. We have Canada Pension Plan, Old Age Security. I know they have uh, Social Security. We have this medical floor. We don't have to worry about running out of money. And so when, what we're saying here is even though their tax rate's actually high, we're not getting those people in droves going to the U.S. Mm. thinking that, well, it's going to be better there. Mm. And maybe if some of the politics down there is also creating... <laughs> Sounds a little left-leaning, Don, for you. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I know, I got to say, there is something to it. We are already there. Yeah. That's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. We are already very left. Yeah. Um, to think that we need to go more left is, uh, you know... That's there you a, go. That's, that's a, how you qualify that's it. A, <laughs> <laughs> that may not necessarily be the case because we I are... Found it, I found it fascinating, sorry to interrupt, with uh, last week in uh, London at the NATO summit, uh, Donald Trump shaking everybody down for more money, more contribution yeah. to NATO. NATO and basically said uh, in regard to Canada and the whole two-face thing, blah, yes, blah, blah, yes. blah, blah, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Donald Trump said, well, they're all, uh, they're all upset, including Justin Trudeau, that I've asked them for, you know, 2% and to pay up. And he said, well, they're a rich country. They can afford it. And I thought, wow, you know, if the PM was there and quick enough, he could have said, well, what about health care? Why can't you afford that? But, no. you know, you see where that goes. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's no sense <laughs> arguing, period, actually. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Yeah. And, and Stay I, on the good side. Yes. And I have a feeling pretty much everybody's probably two-faced uh, yeah, yeah, when it yeah. comes to dealing with him. It's yeah. funny that just talking about that well-being, and it reminds me of what we would call our financial well-being yes, score. Absolutely. And this is something that IG Private Wealth Management has been focusing on for our clients going forward. As a way to measure how are you doing financially, not just in terms of how much money there is, mm -hmm. but on, on six different key elements of your overall financial health. And uh, 
And I come back to the idea of, you know, we get a health checkup periodically. We get our, you know, our teeth checked up Mm -hmm. periodically. We get all kinds of checkups. We should be having financial checkups as well. And so as far as left leaning, maybe we should have some services that are provided at no cost or part of the uh, Mm -hmm. tax system Mm -hmm. that provide financial well-being support for people as well. Good point. Yeah. And and this is the whole point. At the end of the day, it is about financial happiness. Mm -hmm. It's not simply who's got the biggest bank account at the end of the day. Because if you can't, if things cost a lot more, um, such as healthcare, then it just gets whittled away. And and then the haves and the have-nots become huge differences. And you don't feel safe walking down the streets. There's home in mm-hmm. so many things. Mm-hmm. And so Canada, as it turns out, is richer than you think, but not necessarily money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And I guess that's where Iceland's going. And there actually, there's a whole movement to having this well-being measurement. In the and there and, and Iceland has joined this, uh, and there's a bunch of other countries in this measurement, thinking, okay, we're not just going to measure GDP anymore. We're going to measure other things, and I think Canada has been well on that way for many many years hmm. with a social leaning. Um, certainly, uh, again, to your point, Scott, I am all about trying to save as much tax as possible. And I love lower <laughs> tax brackets. So yes, I'm not saying that uh, we should turn into a socialist country. I think we already, to a certain extent, are yeah, there. Yeah, good point. Okay. And, uh, and it's a, a great country. That being said, you do have to look after yourself, you know, and, and that's the whole idea is you don't count on an inheritance. Don't count. You look at yourself to create your own financial plan. And right now we're more in debt, unfortunately, than we've ever been. Mm. And there's a whole lot of people saying, I'm going to count on an inheritance. That's going to, you know, that's my drawing card. There's over 20. I wonder if the parents are aware of that. (laughs) That's something you might want to check out with the parents first. One out of five are actually counting on an inheritance at this stage to get them through retirement. Mm. One out of five. Funny enough, 3% are actually counting on a lottery. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So, and I like to, we'll get into this a little bit more of why you definitely shouldn't be counting on an inheritance. But uh, at the end of the day, with all the debt we have, people are looking at this. We, the reason you can't really look at inheritance for that matter is people are living longer. Yeah. Okay. Substantially longer. And there's this presume you're going to be a benefactor. Well, that's not a presumption you can make anymore. Hmm. People, with people living so much longer, yeah. there's also second marriages and all sorts of things. So we're going to get to the back this right after the break. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com, andyanddon.com. All right, tips, various things going into Christmas and such. What are we starting with? Well, let's just still look at, don't count on that inheritance. So be self-reliant. Um, I know your parents may have a fair bit of money mm-hmm. put away. But the thing is, when you get a birth certificate, they don't put an expiry date on that. Yeah. Wouldn't that be handy? <laughs> Make our job way easier from estate planning, tax planning, when to collect that Canada pension plan. Not everybody to, would be happy, but boy, a lot more oh, efficient. So organized. <laughs> so without that expiry date, we don't know how long people are going to live. So you get a 65-year-old today, male, 65. This is a, a 2016 number, so it might even be a little higher now. Um, they're going to live to 84 on average. So that wipes out all these people said, well, the average person lives to say 77. Mm. Well, that's because a whole lot of people didn't make it to 65. Yeah. Once you get to 65, they make males live at 84, mm-hmm. females to 87, 
and there's a one in four chance that they're going one of them's going to make over 90. Yeah. And you boy, you can certainly see it when you go visit some I, kind of home. Another point too is that how do you project this now early in life? I mean, even my parents, they didn't predict that they would survive into their mid-80s where they are now. So oh. I mean, it, it's they never thought they'd live that long. Not not yeah, not even close to this yeah. long. And yeah. I look at even my my in-laws per, is a perfect example. He is the longest living one in his generation. Mm-hmm. Nobody made 70. He just turned 80. Yeah, yeah. You know, again, look at the, what they're eating, say, yeah. in England back then and how much yeah. beer and how much yeah. smoking, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. That whole lifestyle has changed. Pubs yeah. have gone out of business. They Medicine. don't have smoking, things such as that. So they're eating better and people are now making to the 80s. So looking at inheritance is, is tricky, but also you got to look at how long do you want to work? Mm. If you're going to be in retirement for an extra, say, 10 years, you might consider actually working longer. Mm. That Freedom 55 is definitely not there. Freedom 65 is questionable. And a lot of people are saying, you know what? I'm feeling pretty darn good. I'm going to keep going until 70. And it's funny, those ones that usually say that, to the most part, don't need to work. Mm. (laughs) They actually have their ducks in order, the ones I've met anyway. But it is interesting, poll after poll, it basically says how Canadians are failing to save enough for retirement and discovered 32% of people between 45 and 64 have nothing saved. Yikes. One third of Canadians have not even a nickel saved for retirement between 45 and 64 years old. So retirement's only so-called 20 years away in that, and yeah. a four for a 45 year old, mm. and they don't have a penny saved yet. So it's not that it's an issue of necessary debt. We have a savings issue. I know Andy said this so many times over the past years, we have a savings crisis. People aren't saving, and we got to start somewhere. And again, to say, okay, well, you know what? I probably, and people rationalize money more than anything. And they rationalize that, well, my dad only lived to so and so, I won't live that long either. Well, that's, that, again, just to your point, Scott, they're living a lot longer. Nobody's yeah. expecting to be around in the 80s. And I always say, check out the, uh, the obits these days, particularly the spectator. And there isn't a whole lot that are under 60. Yeah. Um, there's not many under 80. Most of them are 80 plus. Mm-hmm. And one client actually said, well, you know, who's putting it in the abits? Um, you know, maybe they're not posting it. Says, yeah, still the older generation still puts <laughs> in the obituaries. Trust me. Those people still read the newspaper yeah. and they, they are still acknowledging. It's actually one of the they few. They buy it for the obits. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> they want to see who's, uh, who's going particularly. Yeah. Yep. So... Yeah, and I, you know, when you think about planning on an inheritance as part of your overall financial plan, I think, you know, as a parent, we're often, you know, we're, we're highly motivated to make sure our children get a leg up and, and a good start in life. And one of the greatest gifts you can do as a parent is prepare your own retirement plan because that means you're not going to have to rely on the kids yeah, to help yeah. you out, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge gift. Now, on the opposite side of that, if you if I'm going to use that well, to hell with the retirement, <laughs> to hell with the inheritance, sorry. Uh, forget the inheritance. The fact that you don't have to pay for me during retirement, there's your inheritance. Yes. Yeah. I love it. it. Uh, that's yeah. a great one. Yeah. It is a good one. And uh, But it's interesting now, you think about the opposite of that. So let's say you have prepared for your own retirement and you're doing well. And a lot of times, you know, clients will tell us that that home is always sort of the backstop that's going to get them through the final leg of their retirement the yeah. final third of their retirement. And as an adult child, you're looking
looking at your parents and thinking, if you're counting on an inheritance, now suddenly you see, you know what, they've transitioned from living in their own home. They've cashed that home in. It was mm-hmm. worth 700000 It was worth a million dollars. And now that million dollars has gone into an investment to provide an income for them while they can transition into that final third of their retirement. So that's going to probably start off at some level of a retirement home. Yeah. So this is basically what we'd call assisted living. And, uh, you know, it could be a, a five-star place mm-hmm. and they're spending <clears throat> 10000 a month. Mm-hmm. It could be a one-star place and they're spending, you know, two grand a month. Mm-hmm. So depending on what they decide, it's suddenly that million dollars that was part of their home sale is being chipped away at and on a regular inher- basis. And the inheritance. And yeah. as a result of that, the inheritance. Mm-hmm. And then the final stage, which is typically involves probably a long-term care scenario. And in long-term care, if they're staying in their home, mm-hmm. that's almost as costly as being in a long-term care facility mm-hmm. because private duty nurse, we were running the numbers on average, you could be spending up to $100,000 a year for between um, uh, home care, uh, nursing care, and ongoing uh, support systems, meals, etc. So it, it is an expensive proposition yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. But so counting on an inheritance is becoming less likely. Now, clients will tell us, you know what, I, I want to leave an inheritance to my children, uh, but I also want to make sure we've saved this money for a reason. And right now... We're enjoying our retirement and we don't want to be, you know, scrimping and saving in our final years either. Mm. And so being able to provide that care for us is, is so key. And today in Ontario, like there are 36,000 people on a waiting list for long-term care right now. Wow. So it's actually going to start to become a competition yeah. where wow. you are going to be fighting to get these yeah. spots for your parent or Driving for Driving costs up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. Christmas is coming, holidays, yes. any tips? How do we how do we stay out of the Rack red? up the credit card. That's <laughs> it. Just go for it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> just go against everything we just talked about. That's right. <laughs> it all applies except for the month of December. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and you know, it's funny you say that, Scott, because I think there's almost mm. that block. Yeah, yeah, throw mm. it out the window you know, and just go uh, for it. It's such an emotional time. Yes. They, they want to create this ambiance of this is what Christmas is for our kids, for our family, whatever, and it costs money. Yeah. And in the U.S., a 2017 study, they spent $992 each each person on mm-hmm. Christmas gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't include the tree, doesn't include, you know, stuff, doesn't include the food, doesn't include all sorts of things. Eggnog. Eggnog, the rum that maybe Christmas that goes cake. with it. Yes. You know, that's just <laughs> the gifts alone just on Christmas. And that's the average. And I'm sure, you know, if, if it is 1.4 times here in terms of the exchange, that would, we would be around $1,400. So couple Christmas tips. Now, I know it's 18 days to Christmas right now. And... Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> and so one is maybe a little pre-Christmas cleanup. Um, you wrap this up. I got to go shopping. <laughs> Start the car. <laughs> Start the car. <laughs> um, do a kind of like an online garage sale. Hit the Kijiji site. There, you know, yeah. go through all your stuff. 
And you may be finding, you know, here's a great chance to just get rid of stuff because people at the other end think, I would need to buy some inexpensive things. And it's maybe not great for you, but it's a treasure for somebody else. Yeah. So it's a great time to maybe clean it up right now. Do you know what? A couple of years ago, we had a universal gym that was in the basement and hadn't used it for years. There you go. I finally convinced my wife we should sell it. And uh, I remember a young couple came along and and their son, who was maybe 10 or 11, was just getting into um, uh, physical and and sports and stuff. And they were so excited to get it. It was a fantastic- Those don't age. So there's a perfect idea. Perfect example of Mm -hmm. that. Exactly. So second, make a list and check it twice. Well, what does that mean? Write down three columns. What presents are you gonna buy? To who, what, and how much? Mm -hmm. Second column would be entertainment. How much are you gonna spend on drinks and food and maybe if you rent dishes, you know? Mm. If you're gonna have a big gathering, you're not gonna use your dishes, how much is that gonna cost? And thirdly, travel. Um, if you're going to go for a drive to somebody, then you have to have a hotel or flight somewhere, travel insurance perhaps, uh, transfers, rental cars, put all that and add it all up. So you have an idea what it's going to cost you before you even get there. And maybe you got to cut back or maybe you don't take a trip this year. Maybe Skip you it stay home. next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, track that spending. And it's really great. There's so many great apps right now that you can follow along your spending. Keep that running total. Bahumbug.com. I know, isn't this great? <laughs> this is great. So if you were sitting there and you're pumping gas into your car, you watch that go up and up and up and up. Well, track the same with your Christmas spending. Yeah. And so, okay, until you get this magic number and let's say it's $2,000 and then we're tapped out. That's it. You keep going, going, going and all of a sudden, oop, turn turn off it the gas. stops, yeah. Yeah, just stop at that time. Um, you know, maybe personalize your, your cards. Um, a lot of people got to photo cards, um, which are, you know, a little less expensive perhaps. Um, kids, kids are making homemade cards. You don't have to get the Hallmark $2.50 cards each one, which generally <laughs> lasts until uh, Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah. Maybe people go until January 1st before they throw them out. Um, you know, the nice thing with photo cards is they generally stick around. They end up on people's fridges and mm-hmm. they sometimes get framed. So uh, there's another option. And it's actually a gift and a card at the same time. Um, be a Scrooge online. There you go. There's a bah humbug. There is a couple great online. I don't suggest you'd have to do all your shopping online, but there's some great online sites. One's called ShopBot, um, Shop and B-O-T. And there's, I'm sure there's others. But you put in the item you want to buy and it'll, it'll go through all the stores and find out where the Cheaping, yeah, least Cheaping, expensive is. Yeah, wow. So I put an example of a, of a camera. It was a Sony HX80 camera. And it even shows a chart on the price, like a stock market chart on this, on what the price was in the last six months. It hit a peak November 15th of $450 for this camera. Mm-hmm. Well, by the end of November, it had dropped about 400 And right now, at one store, it's 394 but you can get it at Best Buy right now at three twenty nine ninety nine. Wow! There you and go. instead of going store to store, oh, this is my favorite store. Mm. I'm going to go there. Well, it's three ninety four at that store. I think your favorite store would be whichever was a lot yeah, cheaper. Exactly. It saves you sixty four dollars <throat> plus. A lot more efficient in terms yeah. of your travel time. No parking. No parking. You know, you yeah. just go straight there and you pick it up. Um, so is it all guys on the site? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, on the 24th. I didn't mean to be stereotypical there. <laughs> yeah, no shopping is buying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, stay social. And what that means is not simply being, you know, sociable. It's going to those social media sites. Things like Banana Republic or a Gap or my wife's on, I think, Banana Republic. Boy, do they have some great, all of a sudden, though, she'll get something in the mail. And it's only good for that day. Yeah. And it's like a buy one, get one sure. for that day only. Mm-hmm. Which comes to my next point. Why don't you get the same thing for two different people? 
If you're going to get a buy one, get one. Just hope they don't go to the same party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. If it's good enough for that person, it might be good enough for someone else. I didn't know, I didn't know that BOGO, that, I, I was, what is BOGO? And that's what buy, BOGO is, buy yeah, one, get buy one. one, get thinking, one. How, yeah. how did I not know it, this? This happens all the time in my family. Like, we'll all show up to dinner at Christmas, and all three of the guys will all be wearing the exact same shirt. <laughs> not a word of a lie. <laughs> happens all the time. BOGO. That's it. That's yep. it. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. I started with the BOGO at Dairy Queen. I got to tell you right now, you <laughs> buy one blizzard, you get one. Oh, it's my favorite BOGO. Anyway. Don's eating two blizzards. Is I that what love you're saying? That, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's so many things. Potluck, share that load. I think this is a pretty common one people bring things things um and then go to uh go to a few stores don't just assume that one store has all the great deals they mm. may have a good deal but you got to do a little bit of work and it's amazing how so- making a little bit of effort can save a ton of money um you know giving a this is maybe a little scrooge like okay I'll, I'll grant you this but get those boxing prices now Give him a picture of what you're going to get. <laughs> oh. Good luck with that one, John. <laughs> he might not be a surprise. Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Report back to us in yeah, the new year on that. Tell us how that worked, the first show back in the new year. <laughs> but there's a lot of different tips, and, uh, and, we, and we can certainly go through those. But at the end of the day, is, is really watch the dollar amount and don't get caught up in the emotion have a so if you have that dollar amount going in, you're it may give you a bit of a guideline. Budget, budget, budget. Yeah, I'm taking you guys shopping with me. All right, we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been with us from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, Scott.